Hello, and welcome to Dig It. I'm Peter Brown, and hosting the show with me today is Chris Day. Hi, Chris. Hi, Peter. So, March in the Garden... It's been dry, hasn't it, Chris? I've been out watering my snowdrops and trying to keep the pots of bulbs going recently. How's your garden been? It's been very dry, actually. Yeah, the um, I've got a, quite a lot of container plants and they've had a, a bit of a douse of water. And also, um, as we're finding on the nursery here, even where the bare root plants are now, even the soil around those is incredibly dry. So we're having to mm. give them a little bit of water. Catch-22, really, because everything we're trying to hold everything in sort of suspense at the moment as it's... As, as we are still in the effectively the dormant season. However, plants have got their own uh, their own agenda, haven't yeah, they? They, need <laughs> they want some to grow because presumably it's going to hold back the trees, will it? A bit with it will. leafing and things like that. I mean, they're going to be struggling to get the water they need to grow all the new foliage. That's right. Yeah. So you've got to balance really, but certainly for when it comes to for coming to actually doing your planting in your garden, then obviously that's another another issue, isn't it? You've got to really prepare the soil well, get lots of organic matter in. As, as you plant as well but we're, we're in a good sort of time really because um because it's been comparatively mild as we as yeah. we know then you know there's no reason why we can't get going in a, in a good way in a positive way and, and actually get ahead of ourselves as far as the jobs in the garden to, to be done that's true but equally hedge one of my favorite things that we sell in the garden center this mm. time of the year sledges oh they're yes. not selling well this year it's not been a good year for them has it no, <laughs> no. yeah <laughs> And on a much sadder note, a couple of well, condolences, I suppose, really. A few big names out of the garden centre industry have unfortunately passed mm-hmm. away. Alistair Jackson from Poplar's mm. Garden Centre, yes. fairly local to us. I mean, he's a great chap, lovely mm. sense of humour. Fantastic, yeah, lovely, lovely chap. I, I had the, uh, the honour of working with him many years ago, Peter, as a gardener's question time for BBC Three Counties Radio. We did, okay. a, we did an outside broadcast. This is probably going back 10 years, and uh, that was the first time I met him. And, it, uh, yeah, we had a, a good, good chuckle and a, a really good audience, but uh, he certainly knew, knew his, his stuff so a, yeah. a real sad loss to to his family and friends and of course to the garden center as well i think so and paul callings i mm. mean that's a big name isn't it yes yeah, so callings Co- nurseries mm, yeah well known sort of the the, the southeast aren't they sort of kent sort yeah. of area yeah and uh, yeah big big garden center group and uh, well known for their amazing amount of growing they used to do sort of and still do behind the scenes as well so yeah a yeah. couple of big losses so our condolences yeah. there indeed and moving forward then, Chris, mm, so yeah. what we got coming up, uh, what's on? What's in the diary? The diary, yeah, well we have got a, a big date after our uh, Graft and Grow last month, uh, Peter, which was obviously... That was a massive success, I couldn't it, believe how it, many people came in, it was, it, it was mad, it was crazy, I've never seen uh, a queues for, for grafting taking you know, a reasonable amount of time, well, not too long, people weren't waiting around too long, but having said that, it was a lovely, uh, amazing atmosphere, which was, which was great, and people really enjoyed... Um, the event and obviously getting their wonderful cyan wood uh, attached to the right uh, rootstock. Well, hopefully they'll all be growing mm. lots more fruit trees and it'll all be successful. Because yeah. I, I guess what 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 sort of the average percentage take on a graft? Would you expect sort of eighty ninety percent? I, I think or? in that region, PC, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, unless I mean, usually it's weather issues uh, or. or uh, Animals nip, nibbling at the the graft causes the problems, or or some you know severe weather, which fingers crossed we're going to be fine with. And as so long as the plants are given plenty of moisture and they don't get stressed, they're usually absolutely fine. Because you're putting the tissue of a very vigorous rootstock with you know the tissue of a, a variety which wants to grow. So it's a perfect so it's marriage. A good, really. it, they mm. do have a good take then. That's good. Generally, yes. Excellent. So mm. it's orchid day coming up. It isn't is, it? and for the first time we're we're running the orchid day at the garden centre on a Saturday which mm. would be quite nice so we, we thought good. it would be good but maybe a, attract a different audience maybe a more family orientated audience to enjoy yep. orchids rather than during during the week and uh, so we've got Manus of course our of one of our first guests on the, the he was he was the, one yeah. of our very early guests yes. in the podcast wasn't he and he gave some brilliant tips back that well, mm. 
I say 2001, was 2001, it? Yes, yeah, yes. No, so, yeah, a long while ago. Yeah. yeah, so he'll be here. Um, the event starts at 11, Peter, and he's doing a couple of talks at 11 and 2. Directly after his talks, he does his um, orchid clinic, yes. which is famous for his, his orchid MOTs. So uh, don't bring your car for it. Bring your orchids. <laughs> bring your orchid. <laughs> I remember the last time he came here, I, I, I presented him with one of mine, and mm. he, he didn't... He wasn't too scathing about it. He That's said, yeah, it was quite healthy and it was okay and um, could do with the repotting. But mm-hmm. I was very pleased by that. I thought, well, that, that's good news for me <laughs> then. I, I can look after orchids. That's, that's good. So it will, it will no doubt be kept very busy. So on that that, uh, that, that, that Saturday and that weekend, we'll obviously have uh, some nice uh, some nice orchids in, on sale as well. So it'd be a good opportunity to, uh, to, to replenish your orchid stocks too. Yeah, because from memory, he's... He's really into his um, cymbidiums, mm, isn't he? he likes his cymbidiums, yes. Yeah, Phalaenopsis, yeah, uh, mm. he knows masses about, but <laughs> cymbidiums are his passion from memory. Definitely, yes. So, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see him again. And, uh, and as I say, he's here till around about late afternoon, so around about three, four o'clock. So a good Brilliant. few hours to uh, to get to tap into his amazing orchid uh, knowledge. Yeah, so bring your orchids in if mm. you need some help with them and mm-hmm. he'll... Give you some pointers on how to make them grow better. Indeed. And then um, just a shout-out, really, for um, Gardener's World presenter Adam Frost. Obviously, he's famous for uh, co-presenting with Monty. He's on a, uh, a nationwide tour this month. And okay. uh, just a few dates. Uh, 17th of March, is over at the Exeter Coin Exchange. Saturday the 18th, over at the, the Lighthouse Theatre in Poole. Wednesday the 29th, he's over at uh, the Wyvern Theatre in Swindon, and on the 30th of March, he's over at the Lighthouse Theatre in Kettering. So mm. he's out and about. So, um, yeah, if you, apparently it's a good evening. It is a proper evening with him, so I'm sure he'll answer your gardening questions as well. So uh, we'll, we'll put the link on how to, to get tickets if it's not already sold out. Mm-hmm. That's mm. always the trouble with these events, isn't it? <laughs> you get a good speaker like that. It's yeah. A, they will sell out fast. They do indeed. Brilliant. Good stuff. And then we've got a rare plant fair. Yeah, I think this. I was looking through the diary, Peter. I think this is the first of the season. Yeah. Um, I might be wrong because I know over uh, some of the um, snowdrop weekends you sometimes get them, but this is the first official one and it's over at the Bishop's Palace over in Wells in Somerset. A beautiful garden. It was on okay. Gardener's World last year. I saw it for the first time and I, I really want to go when I'm back in that part of the world. It looks very, very nice. It's a, sort of a partly wall garden. But um, obviously a perfect venue for finding more unusual plants as well. So, uh, mm. yeah, 14 acres and there's quite a few big name um, sort of specialist nurseries. Uh, Avon bulbs, Potterton's nurseries are there. So good for, you know, if you're looking for something really, really unusual with your uh, information. Again, we'll put the, the link on the, on the show notes to how to find out more about more rare plant fairs, um, obviously in March and, and beyond. Brilliant. Great stuff. Thank you. And moving on from rare plants, I noticed in the news we've got Thames Water and several of the water companies now installing sort of flood defences in towns. And it's a really good idea, isn't it, Chris? So plant basically planters, aren't they? They're sort of yeah. that also double up as sort of storm drains yes. i suppose that c- they, collect the they, they describe them as floral soakaways which i think is a lovely sort of turn of phrase isn't it so basically yes yeah, strips of soil which are beautifully planted with the right type of plants i think the whole idea of this is to make sure that the right type of plants are are installed which will obviously take the extra amounts of, of rain these areas will will uh, obviously get um assuming that we do get some some rain this year well um, that's it yeah isn't it? but yeah. then i suppose that's the trouble with all the tarmac and concrete everywhere mm. these days that it makes the runoff go that much quicker down into the drains and then the drains of all course. flood and yes. causes damage everywhere so mm-hmm. yeah i suppose if we can slow the water down a little bit and create mm. some planters that's mm. a really mm. good thing yeah and, and and when you look at the list of plants they're using it's not you know the plants which we, we sell in all garden centers things like the, the daylilies the uh, amrocarlis there there's siberian iris obviously herbaceous geraniums you know these are yeah. all good doers and of course ornamental grasses so it's almost going down that uh, sort of sort of prairie style planting if it is dry they will survive however they will take up the moisture and, when it gets and flooded. yeah so it's a catch too. and it's interesting that they're, they're saying that even you know the areas are being obviously are more susceptible to flooding, but they include schools as well, which hmm. I, di- I didn't realise that as that many schools were were troubled by by flooding. They're suggesting uh, 
I think it's around about 100, isn't it, in the article? Yeah, uh, just yeah. in London. Oh. They've, they've put 800 of these planters in around these schools. So yeah. Hopefully that'll mm. help curb the problem. Indeed. And I see um, George Plumtree, who we interviewed mm. a couple of weeks ago. Indeed. He's head of the NGS, or National Garden Scheme. He's in the news again. They've managed to get another 574 new venues yeah first timers open across the country this year that's going to be brilliant isn't it so fantastic yeah it's it's ever growing isn't it so that's over four thousand gardens now are open through to to the general public through the ngs scheme which is quite amazing isn't it Mm. i mean it's such a huge number our local um lady who organizes the Garden, uh, open gardens around uh, our, our way was mm. trying to recruit new gardens for the scheme. So yes. I guess um, it was obviously a big drive this year to get some more yes. fresh blood into the <laughs> system. But it's, it's brilliant. I, I love it as a scheme and it's so nice to go and see some decent gardens mm. that are just on your doorstep. Indeed, and it's just worth re- re- reminding our, our listeners that it's easy to just go onto the, the, the website at NGS and you can even just tap in your location and a you know, 10, 15, 20 mile radius of where you live yep. and you can home into very local gardens. And if you're going on holiday, you know, plan, plan your holiday if you've got in the UK, try and get one or two gardens on your, on, uh, on, on your holiday as well. That's a good idea. I'd not thought of that. Yeah, because um, go and mm. find some tea and cake and a nice garden wow. near where you go. Indeed. That's a brilliant idea, Chris. I love that. The government is cracking down on illegal imported plants, mm. I see, Chris. Yes, big headline, isn't it? Mm. And, uh, yeah, basically it's, it's, it's to stop these online plant traders, you know, bringing, stopping these nasty diseases coming in via, via imports. And uh, it's important, isn't it? Biosecurity, you know, we might see the signs when we go on holiday at the airport or the... When we're taking a you know a, a ferry across the water, but really you know we all need to be aware that um, you know plants have to be checked r- rigorously now. Uh, to well, keep them and so they should be. Mm, I mean, indeed. you think of things like zyella and mm. I mean, Dutch elm disease. Yeah. Look at the name. Where did it, no, nothing against the Dutch, but no, nope. I think it came, you know, from, somewhere. It came <laughs> from the sort of northern Europe mm-hmm. over across the water, and then absolutely decimated all our. Indeed. Elm trees. Mm. Now, obviously, we've got Zyella that's coming over. Now, that's olive trees. That's olive trees, yes. Not over here yet. Yeah, we just don't want it. But olive trees, olive groves especially. And, I mean, its it's range of plants include things like rosemary. So if it got over here, it would decimate our rosemary patches and our rosemary hedges, as well as, obviously, olive trees and everything associated in that group. So it isn't isn't, uh, isn't good news. But, you know, the inspection works. And, obviously, as a garden centre, we are inspected regularly. Yeah, we have our annual inspections, and mm-hmm. and I, I think we can proudly say that mm-hmm. when the inspectors came round to us this year, we were the first nursery that they'd inspected that had actually done everything correctly yes. and got 100% uh, on, on all the tests, yes. as it were. So. And a nice gold star, apparently, which yeah, is even so better. It's a yeah. massive well done to us, I suppose, mm-hmm. but equally, I think... At the end of the day, we've got a massive responsibility. Mm. We're importing plants wherever possible. Obviously, we buy English plants and Mm -hmm. sell English plants. But unfortunately, due to the the economics of supply and demand, sometimes... Mm. And availability as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, I'll just quote as well. uh, Graham Spencer is the director of Plant Breeders' Rights. So that's... Obviously, very important. Obviously, a lot of the new plants which come over obviously have a, a royalty attached to them. Yep. He's saying that unscrupulous dealers even mislabel plant parcels to avoid detection from authorities. So that's even worse, isn't it? That's that's deception on a, a really big scale. So, and as he said, you'll never stop it. Um, but obviously, making the complexities and expensive plant health certificates for some rare plant activities encourages illegal smuggling. So, yeah, try and buy from a reputable supplier wherever you. Well, always. Buy from a reputable yeah. supplier and check your plants mm. have got a passport number on them. Indeed. That's a simple yeah. way. Whenever you're buying plants, mm-hmm. if they haven't got the passport, then and question it. It's interesting, Peter. Already, I've had a few customers, even this year, and we're only you know a number of weeks into into 2023, saying about plant passports. Well, are we aware of them? Which is quite an interesting conversation. <laughs> I said, yeah. well, yes. And if you buy most plants on all the plants, it will have a passport number on it somewhere. Where yeah. it's traceable. Well, it's a brilliant um, system. It is. If it's used and, and kept up too. to date, and I think that's it, isn't it? It's making mm. sure everyone complies with it. So well done, the government, for doing a little crackdown. Indeed. 
I'm so pleased you found this one, Chris. <laughs> Welsh leeks have finally become Welsh. Yes, I mean, officially. It, I always thought it was the daffodil that they were championing. Oh, but no, no not, apparently not, not anymore. No. They're now into into their leeks and they yeah. have decided to take all leeks that are grown in Wales to be Welsh leeks. Indeed, so and they're protected not, as that, yes. So. Not specific varieties, but all of them. I know, it's bizarre, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, so this is the protected geographical indication status. So okay. we, th- we think about, yeah, Milton Mowbray pies, Jersey Royal potatoes. Not international kidneys. No, well, that's the variety you would buy at the garden centre. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to have the right seaweed and they've got to be grown in Jersey. In Jersey, on, yeah. a, on a hill. On a hill. Definitely, yeah. to yeah. become so a Jersey Royal. So many feet above sea yeah. level. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That's it. And like you say, the cheddar cheese. Now, does that yeah. have to come from the cheddar gorge? Well... It's, it's, it's not a huge place, is it? I mean, I've been there a few I've, times. I've driven up it. I've, yeah. I've never seen a cheese factory no, on it. No, not at all. No. So it must be an area again, I, I think suppose. so. <laughs> but, but it is all about this geographical location, is it? But, well, finally, as you say, that the Welsh have got their Welsh leek. I mean, I think it's a bit bizarre because I thought it would be a specific variety of mm. leek, to be honest with you. And I see the Newt in Somerset. Well, is it the Newt Hotel? You, yeah, and Gardens. Yeah, they're, they're in the news again. I mean, they're mm. sponsors of Chelsea Flower Show, aren't they? They are at the moment, yes. I think the next two or three years, if, if memory serves me correctly, Peter. Yeah, so okay. it's in a lovely part of um, of Somerset. And, uh, right. It's come to the fore, basically, because it's got, obviously, now 300 apple varieties uh, to create this new national collection. So... Have they got the national collection, have they? Yeah. That's I mean, looking yeah. at the pictures, it's a stunning way of planting mm. them all. I mean, brilliant. And I think that's where you get to see where espaliers and sort of trained mm. fruit oh, make such a difference to letting it grow to be a full-grown tree. I mean, you could imagine walking around there picking mm. hundreds of apples at... Yeah, waist and sort of shoulder height, which is perfect. It, it, you're right, actually, and it takes you away from the, the you know the concept of having an orchard. Um, this mm. is a way of utilising space in a very spectacular way. Um, it is basically a, a sort of series of circles, and it's very artistically designed. And you walk round effectively in a circular pathway, and the and the, the fruit trees follow you. Basically, they are set out and trained, as you say. In, in various forms where they're using the space, their aerial space, so they're not actually growing out as such, they're just growing against and uh, mm. creating this amazing, um, well, what they call it, uh, well, para- parabola is the is the term for, for the, the area, but um, it, it, it is, you know, a work of, of genius because it is so different to what you'd expect a apple orchard to, yeah, to look like. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder, is it Andy Lewis, the mm. head of fruit there, he... he must have scratched his head a bit before he came up with that design because it's, yeah. it's a really clever one. Mm. But I think they, from memory, they do a whole load of like different sort of days out, and you can learn about beekeeping, you can learn about mm. sort of growing herbs, and quite a few other ones from memory. I haven't been on their website for a while, and but it looks like a lovely place to go. And they've got a really good if you're into your vegetable gardening and you want to see you know different sort of display ways of growing uh, veg. They've got a really nice setup there too. So lots of ideas. You you come away very enthused, and also um, herbaceous plants. They like their the herbaceous borders and things, but done in okay. a very small garden way. So yeah. very attainable. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's it's worth a look. And uh, obviously they um, they will obviously be encouraging us to grow some of these more unusual varieties too, which is which is brilliant. And just thinking about mm. that a little bit more, I guess if you want to go and visit, you don't have to actually be a guest of the hotel or uh, nope. eating in a restaurant. You can just go and pay your entrance fee and go and have a mm. look around. Can't oh, you? yeah, there's, and there's plenty to see. And they've got um, a cider area as well because they do a lot of cider pressing. Uh, okay. And they've got a nice, nice restaurant. So, yeah, it's a good full day out really um and obviously if you if you wanted to stay in the hotel well that would be that would be extra i would say <laughs> <laughs> and just thinking about sort of fancy shaped um trees and mm. how to make hedges and things like that box faulkner is mm. sort of in the news at the moment for being now is it resistant or it's is it blight yes it's got a blight resistance to it yes okay so, yeah which is which is good because so, box blight is is that where the leaves are going yellow? They go yellow and then they defoliate, so you get these long stems of completely denuded stems. 
Right. And they can, they can go quite a, almost like a straw colour before they eventually fall off. So it's a okay. It's quite a nasty way. And of that going. kills the plant eventually, it, doesn't it, it? It does, ultimately. Um, I mean, if you get a little bit of box blight, you can usually trim it out. And, of course, you can spray now this uh, fungus fighter, um, which which we all sell now in the garden centre trade, has got a certain amount of persistence to box blight. So there, okay. is, a, there is a chemical control out there. However... But if you want to plant a new New mm. hedge, maybe go with Faulkner. Yeah, Faulkner is, is yeah is often sort of touted, and it's come out well. So the reason for this story is that um, yeah, the good old Levins Hall up in Cumbria, which I think we've mentioned before, haven't we? Because the, the amazing yeah. topiary there, it's, yeah, yeah. it's in the Guinness Book of Records for the number of topiaries, yew and obviously box. Yep. They're looking to to replace lots of um, of you uh, of, of box. In fact, well, so, yeah, about, about a mile of it apparently. So they. Wow. They had a mile. That's that is scary, isn't it? But they but they tried Japanese holly, which is the Ilex uh, crenata, yep. um, but they found it didn't grow particularly well. And that's something we have found at the garden centre here. It doesn't seem to like clay soils. Give it a nice sandy soil, and it seems to do okay. So now they've gone down the route of, of looking at, at different box uh, resistant varieties, which of course Falconer and another variety called John. Baldwin is, is another. So, yeah, okay. so don't, basically, don't give up on your box. Brilliant. And I guess what that will probably mean is in a 10 years' time, we'll start seeing nice big topiary balls mm. of box coming through the garden centre in those varieties rather well, than the well, standard ones. I would hope so, yes. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the Dutch are leaders in, in a lot of the uh, uh, plant uh, breeding of things like box. So, It'll be it'll probably come from from Holland, which would be which would be good because they are the masters of growing really good box uh, in all all shapes and sizes. Mm, excellent, that's good news then. And the latest news from the Allotment Society is it or yeah, National yes. Allotment Society? Right. Yeah, yeah. Then yes, they they produced a, their new report, Peter, the twenty first century allotment. So excellent. these so okay. these are the things we are going to expect to see. On allotments in the future. Right, okay. Um, yeah, the new story starts sheds, toilets, and plastic polycarbonate greenhouses on new allotments are in. However, glass greenhouses and bonfires are out. That's really? The, okay. Mm, yeah, that's the sort of opening statement. So, so we're now looking at putting composting toilets on every allotment, are we? Or just, just no, the odd one? The odd. <laughs> Those people who <laughs> who need one, I would say, depending on the perhaps the, I like the demographics. The idea of it. Yeah. It's yeah. an interesting concept. But yeah. sheds, I mean, everyone's got a shed on their allotment, yeah, haven't they? They have. That's, that's part of the yeah. right of having a mm. allotment, is you have a and, shed on it. And, and you've you got can have, go and sit and drink tea in it. And indeed, yes. Enjoy and, the sun. <laughs> indeed. And yes, but the whole idea of this is that they're suggesting in these guidelines that the today's allotment user tends to be younger families which obviously have yeah, children no, no, so definitely. so it needs a slightly different approach so okay. maybe over the next couple of decades that might be taken in but i think you're going to get a bit of sort of well there's a lot of hard fast allotment well, ideas are going to be quite polycarbonate greenhouses basically what happens on our site is when you want to move off you sell your greenhouse mm-hmm. And somebody else buys it, and the greenhouses just go round and round and round. And if you break a panel of Mm. glass, Mm. you just buy a new one. And Mm. to be fair, the plastic sort of tarpaulins and Mm. things that are made over PVC plumbing pipes... yes. Generally, blow away every winter and just make a mess. And yes, yeah. yeah. So and that's recycling, isn't it? If you're if you're passing or selling on your greenhouse, that's a good way yeah. of, of recycling or upcycling. You, you. I don't know. It seems a bit interesting to say the least. But uh, I suppose at the end of the day, it's, it's all about sustainability, isn't it? But there's yep. And bonfires are out. I mean, mm. that to be mm. fair, I yeah. don't disagree with because there's Indeed. nothing worse than when you're working mm-hmm. and sort of a couple of allotments down there having a good old bonfire and all yep. you can. Yeah, smell is smoke and yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, a lot of that material pieces should be composted anyway. I suspect, yeah. yeah. So maybe that should be promoted. So I don't see the word compost. I mean, we've seen composted toilets highlighted, but actually no compost heaps. heaps. Yeah, yeah, well, that's missing a trick there. I think definitely. Well, I'm pleased to say my compost heap is now already about a foot tall. Right. I built it what a couple of weeks. No, about a month ago Go. now. I remember you and, saying. Yeah, so. I, I lined it with cardboard. Yes, and, thanks Charles um, Spalding. Yeah, <laughs> thanks to Charles. And yeah. um, I, I've put some holly in it, mm. some 
sort of semi-rotten leaves that mm-hmm. are vacuumed up from around the lawn. Excellent. Um, and, yeah, just some general yep. clippings off the garden. So, yeah, it's starting to build up. We'll That's have good. to see how it does, but I'm hopeful it, yeah. it'll be a good source of compost for my no-dig challenge. Indeed. More, oh. more on that to come, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Although it hasn't been that cold this winter yet. I mean, I say yet because we... Who Sometimes knows? have snow in March, don't we? We do. Um, I mean, birds have obviously been eating all the bird food we've been putting out, but the RSPB are crying out for making sure that we're sterilising all our bird feeders and mm. keeping everything clean, aren't, aren't they? Indeed, to, to basically fight the, the avian flu, which has obviously been a major problem um, right through for, for a year or two now, hasn't it? It's, it seems mm. to have been a major issue well, with I think the, the last heads. thing I... Heard from Defra was about I would say a month ago. Mm. They were quarantining all of the chickens again, so they all had to go back inside. inside whereas they've yeah. been allowed out in sort of different areas. But yeah, I mean, it's like you say, a couple of years now that mm. avian flu has been a major, major problem. And it's when we think of bird flu, it's the whole society mm. of birds. Isn't it is. It? It, yes. It's not just the nice little. Robins and finches that mm. uh, that we see on the bird feeders is things like the owls and all the and indeed, yeah. seabirds and yeah, I mean uh, birds of prey and such like, isn't it? Which mm. are a hit there, but uh, certainly I know I know in my own garden, piece, I, keeping everything clean is is a priority, especially if you're putting lots of bird food out as well, isn't it? It's getting that balance uh, in there. Um, so I mean, bird feeders when they're empty, just give them a you know a, bit, a little bit of um, disinfectant and and off you go again. Just try and keep everything. As clean as possible, and uh, yeah, and obviously thinking ahead to making sure that we're going to be planting plenty of bird-friendly plants in our gardens. If yeah. not this time of the year, if you're putting in new hedge line, make sure it's got plenty of berries and uh, and hips on it to keep the birds happy through the, the through next winter. Yeah, because I mean, springs obviously they start breeding soon, and mm. that's when I guess it's even more important to make sure that we do keep everything spick and span. Indeed. The really sad news, Chris. Mm. I see. Um, Grow your own magazine is—is is it the last one this month, this month, or is it already finished? It, this month will be its, its final edition, which is really What's sad. A shame. Yes. Yeah, so right. this is some. Um, yeah, DC Thompson, the publishers of of called. I think nearly thirty titles. They do a lot of them are sort of uh, sort of knitwear and um, you know crafts. Crafty uh, magazines. Crafty magazines. Yeah. I mean, this was a really good one. It I was. always remember, like whenever you see it, it's sort of. There's a free bag of bulbs, mm. or there's a free bunch of seeds in it, or it, it was encouraging you to get on and plant things. It was it, a lovely, yeah, positive magazine. It was a very, very practical sort of yeah compost under your fingernails type, and yeah, always had free seeds on the cover, certainly to to get you enticed. But I think it it did really well, and I think it was, I think it, if memory serves me correctly, it's been out for about about fifteen years or so, okay. on on the back of when we had obviously the big sort of you know recession of the the uh, twenty eighteen, yep. the sort of crash there. Then of course a lot of people were feeling the pinch, and austerity was there. And you know, grow your own as we know came into the fore. I remember how much you know vegetables we used to sell then and, and continue to do now, plug plants and such like and seeds. Um, so it was a, a magazine of its time, but perhaps like so many things, people are getting the information now online. Online, or, yeah, yeah, I or, guess that's it. It's easier yeah. to watch a YouTube video mm-hmm. than yeah. have to pick up a magazine and read it. Which, yeah, yeah. Mm. And we know, you know, monthly gardening magazines are obviously have been, you know, you know, the numbers have been dropping. I mean, Gardener's World perhaps is the exception to the rule there. But uh, as somebody once said to me, you only have to buy a year's supply of a gardening magazine. January, <laughs> I just look back each year. I mean, that's a very cynical way of doing it. But I suppose it's true with something like Grow Your Own, things don't really change. Well, it, listeners, if you're getting bored, this is the second season, so... Yep. But <laughs> I really <we're>, hope <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> no, we, we have we have plenty of new guests and new 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 content to make no, it more interesting. It. And there's always something new. I mean, you that's think blocks, Box Blight, that we were mm. talking about earlier, that yep. didn't exist... No. Well, it, it has always existed, I think, but it's not been in the forefront mm. of um, the issues that we've had to deal with as gardeners. And That's right, yeah. All these lovely new 
like bedding varieties that we get in each year. If you want to learn about that, I guess it's worth carrying on listening. Yeah, and that, and that to me, Peter, is why magazines should continue because they've got to report that sort of material. If people are just relying on on mm. YouTube and, and even podcasts for their advice, you know, magazines are still a very vital way of getting that information across. So, yeah, mm. um, no. yeah, but it is very sad. And uh, obviously, I think there was uh, I think about six or seven editorial staff on, on board that magazine as well, and it had some really good, strong, you know, gardening writers. A lot of them RHS, a lot of them sort of celebrity writers too. So, yeah, David Dominey. Dominey, yeah, yeah. He's down there, and I think I think Anne Swithin Bank or one of the uh, yeah so yeah good pedigree of of writers too. So uh, obviously it, it is a shame. Yeah, maybe someone else will pick up the mantle and run with it. Well, you and bring would, a new one out. One would hope there would be a, a marketplace uh, for for. I mean, there used to be a magazine called Kitchen Garden, which I know didn't have a particularly long life because Grow Your Own magazine was so good. It was its rival. So yeah, for survival of the fittest, I suppose at the end of the day. In every uh, in every competitive element of of, of business, yeah, that's it. And not weeds in uh, headlines again. So I mm. see Bridge End Council mm. have been a bit lax in their not weed control, and it's yes. been growing into their neighbours, hasn't it? Yeah. So so basically, that um, this happened. Uh, it basically, this 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 not weed infested into somebody's garden, created a basically a nuisance yep. to the point where the uh, the landowner um, of the property has managed to win a legal fight um, because of this uh, not weed encroaching on from council land. I think this is the first time, Peter, that not weed has actually obviously paid off for somebody in a way, in the nicest mm. possible way. However, it, it does sort of set a precedent, doesn't it? If you've got not weed on council land and your you know property is unfortunately... Yeah, you've got a right to to uh, claim against the council. Mm. Yeah, yeah, like you say, it is interesting because fundamentally, I mean, not weed must be. I I guess it spreads by division. Mm. Um, Yeah, but equally, if it comes out in say a bird dropping, Mm -hmm. how does that? If it was eating your, your neighbour's knotweed and then it pops up the other side of the garden. That would be, yeah, I think you'd have to sort of prove that you've got a basically a, a forestation of knotweed behind your fence trying to encroach your land. I think you'd have to prove it that way, which obviously uh, the, the gentleman uh, did. So, yeah, yes, no, fair play. Yeah, I mean, yeah. why not? It's mm. an no, absolute menace when you've got neighbours who've got sort of plants that are overgrowing mm. your property and you're always having to trim them back and Indeed. this sort of thing. I think yeah. fair play to him, why yeah. not? And, and I think as we know, you know, the, 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 you know the, the financial burden cost, if it does get into your property or your land and your property, your house, is... Well, it absolutely big, devastates yeah. the yeah. sort of people, doesn't it? I mean, if yeah. it gets into your house, it makes the house unmortgageable and you mm-hmm. end up having to... So take yeah. parts of your house down to get rid of it. Sometimes it's mm. incredible. So I think it, 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 yeah, indeed. I think it sets quite a, a good precedent now that hopefully uh, other uh, authorities will look very warily at this and mm. hopefully pay a bit yeah. more attention indeed. to when they've got not weed on their land. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, not good. And this month's top five, we're going to give you root wrap roses. Indeed. So these pieces of roses we sell really from October right through to, uh, well, the end of this month, end of March into April. Um, they're, they're Similar to the bare-rooted yeah. sort of hedging season. And they come essentially, well, as the name suggests, root wrap. So it's a mm-hmm. root that's wrapped in a bit of compost and then mm-hmm. sort of wrapped in a plastic bag. Isn't yeah, it, a biodegradable memory? bag, which is all good. Yes. Excellent. Uh, and, uh, and if you're going to plant them, how, how would you plant them? Is it the same as any other hedging plants? Dig a hole, put some organic matter in and off you go? That's it, yes. Yeah, so with roses, you normally go down to... A, with, with roses, it's quite important to actually put them to the same or a little bit deeper than they are. Uh, well, the, the usual indicator is the, the grafting point, isn't it? So make sure okay. that's just slightly buried under the soil level and uh, yeah obviously the compost you've got with the plant will be perfect to add to the soil in your planting hole but just work a little bit of bone meal or blood fish and bone yep. in there as well and maybe a little bit of root grow if you've got a new if you're creating a new rose bed perhaps yeah a lot of people want to create you know rose beds and they're worried about rose sickness so uh you know root grow mycorrhizal is a good way of, of, of making sure that those problems don't uh, rear their ugly head and cause problems so that's good but the, the our top five pieces quite interesting um, it's a real eclectic mix of, of varieties. I mean, okay. Yeah. So at number five, uh, Rose Rambling Rector. 
Brilliant. Um, it's, it's a big rose in every sense of the word. It grows 25, 30 foot tall, so perfect for growing into uh, into hedges or wherever you want to train it, skyward. Yep. Um, at number four, we've got a variety Rose Hopes and Dreams, Okay, which is a new one to me. Um, it's a very fragrant lilac blooming HT, so good variety. Hybrid tea. tea. Hybrid tea. Uh, that's HT, isn't HT, it? HT, hybrid yeah. tea, that's the one. Um, so a, a, your perfect sort of Valentine's rose is, is a HT. Yeah. Uh, number three, rose flower carpet white. Okay. Which obviously a good ground cover rose. And number two, rose Margaret Merrill. Yeah. Which is a floribunda, uh, white, but it's grown wonderfully for its fragrance. It's got one of the best um, scented roses you can possibly buy. Okay. So and a floribunda that's the flor- sort of multi-head That's not, it. Not multi-headed, multi petal. Multi petal. Yeah, well they call it um cluster flowered. So lots yeah. of smaller flowers but many of them. Okay. And they obviously flower at different times. So you get a nice long succession of blooms. Brilliant. And at number 1 flower carpet pink. Ah, okay. So two flower carpets in the top 10 um and that probably goes on the volume of plants we sell but obviously a good ground cover plant so if you're looking for something which will cover uh, you know one plant will go a meter meter 20 in all directions yeah and obviously will flower from june right through till well october november if you're lucky Mm. and has really good um obviously disease resistance which makes it a really good good variety too so uh, an interesting top five but um, definitely yeah but yeah. but very positive you know and no thornless ones yet n- yet no no i'm awfully <laughs> rambling retter unfortunately they're all pretty prickly but uh, hey one day someone will come up with a thornless rose yeah i think uh, well although think, that's yeah. half the fun of keeping roses it is it? <laughs> it is and uh, yeah most definitely <laughs> great stuff thanks for that chris thank you so it's that time of the show where we talk about those lovely Ooh. challenges that we should be getting on with. And Peter, this list is getting longer now. We Springs are in, this, in the air. <laughs> it's always busy in spring, isn't it? It is. Yes. So, Excellent. Um, so what what should we be doing this month, then, Chris? Yeah, I mean, let's get the you know the the the, the tasks, the arduous tasks, the, the the plantings out of the way and the seed sowing. So shallots that would be good. Um, yeah. Soil's nice and warm now. And that includes likes of garlic as well, and and your and your onions. I mean, onions you need to be pretty quick off the mark. Uh, they are still available, so you know do, okay. do grab them. Yeah. Um, if you've grown some broad beans uh, on the windowsill and they're getting to a decent height, then they need to be hardened off, acclimatised to some cooler conditions, and put out because they're one of the okay. first crops we can start uh, you know enjoying there too. Yeah. And um, I suppose for the likes of a lot, you know, people might be coming to the to the uh, the kitchen garden a bit late, but of course potatoes can still still go. So in. we can still put mm. potatoes, yeah, because we're starting to run out of stocks of mm. them at the garden centre. But certainly, yeah. and if you're going to put them, start chitting them now. Mm. Should we be putting them sort of in the kitchen on the windowsill, or should we yeah. still be trying to keep them a bit cooler? Yeah, I mean, if if you if your windowsill keeps to you know the you know, sort of sixteen eighteen degrees, absolutely fine. I want any warmer than that. You might get some really long extended growth, which of course you don't want. You want nice short because uh, inch chips. and a half, two inches. That's isn't what it? They, that's the recommendation. Where are we? Six to eight centimeters, something like that. Yeah. If if they go too tall, there's no reason why you can't get this, your scissors and snip them back. Yeah, because that's what you told me the other year. Yeah, I, I was it, like, I'm going to try that soon. Yeah. But the, last year, my chits were all very yeah. stumpy, so they that's, just went that's in. That's ideal. That's the yeah, yeah. But don't don't be afraid of doing that. And obviously, if you're growing if you're growing early, uh, the first and second early varieties, then restrict the number of of chits to perhaps three, four, maybe five, and probably no more than that. Okay. The main crop, maybe you let let a few more grow on there. But uh, so that's the that's the yeah the veggie garden. Um, Indoor wise, um, yeah, obviously our house plants are now coming out of their winter slumber, so yep. up the the watering they might need, and obviously start doing a little bit of liquid feeding as well. Yeah, because my orchids are all like I think I said the other month they're mm. nearly breaking flower now. Good. So I've been feeding them with some flowering feed. Yes, and indeed. only I mean it's only tiny amounts of orchid food that you give them. Yeah, very but strong. Yes, it, it, it hopefully will encourage them to flower for a good long time mm. this year. And, of course, the month of March is a good time to actually repot your houseplants as well, so try and get that done over the yep. next next few weeks as well. Outdoors, uh, get your secateurs out and maybe cut your, your fuchsias, uh, your hardy fuchsias back, and, of course, your hydrangeas. Um, okay. 
I looked at mine the other day, Peter, and I think the weather has, has been so severe. Even the, the flowers from last year seem to have, have toppled off the top of the plants. It's been so, so cold. So uh, go along with the secateurs and just nightly, uh, you know, neatly tidy up your, your hydrangeas. And obviously, if you're going to reduce any of your hydrangeas back, remember you might be sacrificing flower for this year. But sometimes, you know, you've got to do that. You've got to get them into yep. decent sort of shape too as well. I saw some little mini bedding plug plants. Mm, They're in the shop again now, aren't they? They are so indeed. Kinder yes. plants. Um, yep. They mm. must be about time to think planting them up and starting your hanging baskets. And yes, if you've if you've got a heated greenhouse or a nice warm porch or your conservatory, yeah, yep. that's fine. I notice we've also got the seedling um, little plug seedlings, the lobelia and the busy lizzies. The, okay. Yeah. Um, I notice we've also got the impatien uh, called beacon, which is the one which has the disease resistance to the, that nasty mildew. So okay. that's a new one for us this year. So yeah, if you're potting your, your kinder plants up, then yeah, put them into either small sort of nine centimeter pots or into if the seedlings put them into the the cell trays yep and uh, obviously they'll take a bit of space up on your windowsill just bear that in mind but they will romp away at a, a good speed but uh, bear in mind that they are all frost tender so you need to be a little you bit careful protect yeah them, protect them as well and the garden the lawn mm. i guess um about start Time to start mowing it already, isn't it? Well, yes. If you, if you, well, yes. As the as the weather has been dry, uh, generally, um, yeah, find a a nice dry day to to give it a, a good cut. Um, and obviously, and yeah, if you, maybe nice and long still. Right, it, it, it is my first cut. Yes, um, and then you slowly reduce the cut height down. Correct. Don't you? Yeah, and I guess probably time to feed it as well. And as um, can can you sow seed yet, or is it still a bit no, early? No, it'd be absolutely fine. So if you do, if you've got any patches uh, which need overseeding, then yes, yeah, I would say I prob- yeah, probably towards the end of the month, I would say, Peter, it should okay. be warm. But if you've given it a cut and you've you've you know, you've surveyed your lawn seed. And obviously, if you put some, if you put any lawn feed and weed down, you probably have to wait for sort of six weeks before you can put. Before some you put the new seed, seed down, down. Okay. yeah. So, so give yourself a bit of time there. But uh, and what sort of distance? I mean, obviously, as you know, I love my fireworks. Mm. Um, so I burnt a good hole in the ground last year. Okay. Um, on, <laughs> on the lawn, so I need to reseed that. Yeah. If I, I mean, normally I put a, a, a spring feed down. Mm. If I leave maybe what half a meter around the edge of that hole would that be okay or that should be okay yes yeah i mean if you can to make it a good seed bed obviously add a bit of john in his number three yeah because i've got to rake out all the dead grass right take out the sort of yellowed and uh, Mm. white stuff as it is (laughs) now Uh, there's a few bits that are sprouting uh, sort Mm -hmm. of back again into life but i think i really need to rake the majority of out and put some seed down certainly and then the the, the secret with overseeding Peter is obviously apply it to where you've got obviously your seed bed, but make sure you do you actually put some of the seed into the existing lawn as well. Okay. To try and blend the two varieties of grass because you, you're never going to get exactly the same lawn mixture. No, you're very true because I know yeah. a few years ago I put some Canada green down, and um, I'm sure that's quite. Is that the one that's quite wide? Well, yes, quite sort yeah, of quite leaf. Resi- yeah, it's quite resilient, isn't it? Quite tough. Yeah, it, it did. It did do very well, but mm. it, it's interesting because the majority of the lawn is standard sort of fescues mm. and. Mm. Um, yeah, there's bent tops and things. All those. Yeah, the, the normal sort yeah. of thin bladed grass, mm. and I've got odd patches where I've got this. Yeah, sort of thicker stuff, and yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that must be the Canada green. Probably the green, yeah. But in, in the overall look, it's probably absolutely fine, you know. No, you no, get, you yeah, don't yeah, notice it. It's no, only no. when you're really yeah. getting down and sort of yeah. close to it that you think, hmm, where's that look come from? <laughs> <laughs> but it's good stuff. And I think because it's been such a dry uh, winter generally, we, we probably haven't got the issues of moss unless you're on very, very, you know, uh, claggy soil. So, you know, weed and feed will, will probably do the job quite nicely. So I don't need to scarify it. Should, well, if you You've got, yeah, Skyfine's good on compaction as well. So, I mean, you might uh, aerate it, but it really depends on those areas where it is well walked upon and uh, well used. Yep. It still wouldn't be a bad idea to do that. But, uh, okay. yeah, you, you get to know your lawn, you know, where you, you're walking on it. To, to Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where the dog walks on it. Indeed. <laughs> she <laughs> yeah. leaves a nice little path down there. That's it, yeah. And um, the other thing I was going to say, Peter, is obviously we've been enjoying the snowdrops and it's been a really mm. good winter for snowdrops, hasn't it? They've been spectacular. Um, so now is the time to start digging them up as the flowers fade and dividing them. So we call this uh, basically by, uh, splitting 
snowdrops in the green. Okay. So that's when they're they're most uh, susceptible, well, most reliable for re- replanting. They'll they'll establish so much better when right. they've got when they've got when they've got green leaves on and they've got some nice strong roots. So okay. do a bit of division there. And you can do that same process later on with uh, with bluebells. If you've got lots of English bluebells in your garden, you want to. Give those a bit of a, uh, a bit of a tidy up and give them a bit more space. You can lift those in the green too. So, so that is that where say you've got twenty of them in a little clump. Mm-hmm. You take ten out and yeah. plant them a bit further apart, or is it that? You're splitting them. Do the bulbs split they sort of and grow little ones off the side and you split them in half that way? I mean, how, how does it work? Yes, so they will, as individual bulbs, they will produce more bulbs as well. So if you had 20, you would lift the whole lot and then probably split them into maybe four groups of five or right. five groups okay. of four yep. and then re- then replant those over the, an area where you're wanting to increase the volume okay. of that. And then obviously the, you probably leave those for three or four years now and they'll produce they'll nice big lumps as well. Okay, yeah. so it's just speeding up the sort of takeover of the bulbs. That's it, and giving them a head start as well. And one little thing, if you're doing that, um, yeah, a little bit of compost might be useful, a bit of bone meal, and certainly a bit of root grow. Definitely, when you're putting, when you're moving your, your bulbs around, they really benefit from uh, just a just a small amount of root grow over the roots as you as you're moving them too. And you could and you could do that with um, I think winter aconites as well. So if you if you're lucky enough to have those wonderful yellow winter aconites, you can split yeah. those in the same way too. Mm, good stuff. And um, I suppose yes, we <laughs> we're also looking at our our um, displays on our our decks and uh, patio areas. And now is obviously a nice time to give them a bit of a a spring spring clean. Maybe add a bit more colour, inject a bit more colour too. So yep, uh, notice we're starting to get some nice uh, early spring uh, bedding in. So that'll be coming in. You know, primulas and primroses in all different colours. Some amazing varieties out there um to, to there's one called blue zebra which i i think is amazing it's a, a really unusual it's something like a denim blue right flower, okay. so that's good but there's lots of different ones and obviously obviously the, the pansies and violos start coming back again and things like ranunculus will start to appear in the next couple of weeks too so lots of things to uh, re, re uh, replant and give your your pots a bit of a bit of color yeah and uh, i've got here dealing with winter casualties oh my lord yeah there's a uh, few of those this year, isn't there? There I mean, is, it was yeah. A bit of a mm. cold winter in December and killed off a few plants. It is. Isn't it? So yeah. come back and yeah, see what comes back. I suppose that's it. I think that's all we can do. Really, give um, yeah, and as it has been dry, give them a, a good drink as well. Anything you cut back, give them plenty of water, a bit of bit of feed, a bit of Vitax Q4 or something similar, and lots of moisture around the plants, and just see over the next six eight weeks. How the plants fare. If they come back with lots of new growth, then you're okay. If, however, nothing happens, then I'm afraid it's it's um, time to, to think about Dig replanting them up and find know, something new to new. put in. Yeah, indeed. So, uh, and I mean the, the plants which are causing most problems, uh, certainly with our customers, has been things like bittersporums, cordylines, and forbiums. But there have been things like ceanothus causing a few issues too. So, I mean, we'll all find a few plants. I'm sure we'll have lost, but we're gardeners. We just just expect that these things yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I guess still a little bit of time before we get into the greenhouse to do a last clean up and mm. de algae algae the glass yes. and clean it all up ready yeah. for this year, isn't there? I suppose, yeah, if you're thinking about growing your, your uh, tomatoes and your peppers and maybe a bit of bedding, really, yes, this month would be the, the opportune time to get that done before you start bringing in your, your, your young plants or doing some seed sowing where you ni- need nice, clean, hygiene-filled greenhouses to, to do all that sort of work. So uh, make sure you're starting with a clean base, basically. Yep, that's it. And also, it's worth sort of just letting the greenhouse breathe a bit mm. this time of the year. If it's yes. not too windy yes. and it's a nice, hot, sunny day, mm. get, the, get the windows open and that'll yes. get some fresh air in yeah. there. That's it. And if you've got, um, I mean, I've got a, a Louvre event on top of my greenhouse, and that's, I think, coming to the end of its life now. It's about 10, 12 years old. So okay, so it's re- only opening half an inch rather than two yes. or three. <laughs> so <laughs> that, I need yeah. to have a look at that. I mean, it's, they're gas-filled, so they don't last forever, but they are absolutely invaluable if you're out of work all day and, you know, you've got to leave mm. your greenhouse. So, 
yeah, and just general maintenance, as you say, um, having a bit of cleanup. And if you, you know, if you use something like a one of these smoke bombs in your greenhouse as well, which uh, you, which will kill any overwintering pests, yeah, do that. But make sure your greenhouse is fully empty before you before you let one of those off. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it must be sort of time to start thinking about herbs again, mm. isn't it? Um, yeah. I, I grew some thyme last year, and that did Great. well. It, it took a while to germinate, but mm-hmm. it did actually. Turn into sort of half a dozen plants. I was quite pleased with that, but yep. I guess yeah, things like the chives and mm. the parsley and coriander, and I guess even basil. Now frosts have gone. Time yeah. to start thinking about so, that. Certainly on the windowsill, that's right. But remember, there's quite a few herbs which you can't buy from seed, so you'll you'll still need to buy some little plants, which have obviously propagated vegetatively, so they're either from cuttings or from you know division. So things like your mints and your you know your fennel, which obviously if you buy fennel at this time of year as a plug plant, it'll it'll make a big plant by by summer. So, mm. but um, as we know, the garden centre generally garden centres restock their herbs uh, this month and into April. So a good time to to replant. Get out and get yeah, some yeah, nice yeah. new ones in. Mm. And um, time to dig up and split strawberries. Yes, so these are for, for those who want a, a really early crop of strawberries. If you've got a greenhouse or a, one of these small lean-to greenhouses, you can yep. get a nice bit of warmth. So basically, yeah, lift a few strawberries, um, nice sort of six-inch pots, some good quality peat-free compost, and um, yeah, lift them with a bit of soil and repot them. Make sure they're not planted too deep because strawberries hate to be planted deep. And then give them warmth, uh, give them a, a good water. Once you start to see some new growth, feed them regularly. And you'll be probably a month ahead of those you'd enjoy outside. So, okay. Nice so essentially, thing. you can prolong your season. So you can you get them out even earlier. Indeed. Yes. That'd be nice. I yeah. Like, I do like homegrade strawberries. Oh yeah. I I, I, I remember coming when I was growing up, Peter. There's a, a a gardener just down the road from us, and they always had strawberries by the beginning of June in the okay. greenhouse. So they were planting. They just planted their tomato plants, and in the same greenhouse, they had strawberries to eat. Wow, how good's that? I've never quite got it to that so, <laughs> but it's it's it's, me, it's always my dream. Uh, just to just throw a few homegrown strawberries out of season is is quite a quite a pleasure. Can you do it with alpine strawberries as well? So as, yes, you they can. sort of they tend to have a much longer fruiting period. But can you force them into coming into? You could indeed. Fruit? Yeah, that would be really good. Yeah, obviously it's much smaller fruits, but usually very plentiful. Yes, mm. of course you could. And yeah, they taste so lovely. And thinking about that, you can, those you can get from seed, so you could actually sow those. You probably have had to sow those last year right. during the summer to get yourself some nice plug plants for this year. But uh, yeah, they would work really well and such a wonderful flavour, as you say. Mm, brilliant. Great stuff. Okay, well, I think that just about rounds us up for this month, doesn't it, Chris? Plenty to be getting on with, Peter, that's for sure. Definitely. Good stuff. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Today's show was brought to you by Buckingham Garden Centre and Nurseries. The show was hosted by Chris Day and Peter Brown. The show was produced by Peter Brown. And our thanks to Chilton Music Therapy for providing the music. Thanks for listening. At Chilton Music Therapy, we want everyone to know the difference that music can make in their lives. From parents and their premature babies in hospital to grandparents with dementia. We provide music therapy and community music services to people of all ages and needs across England. We work both digitally and in person in people's homes, care homes, schools, hospitals and hospices. Find out more at chilternmusictherapy.co.uk.